Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it, with your hosts, Joanne Orshan and Tammy St. Clair. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how we speak and the things that we say and how that empowers us or disempowers us. A lot of times when we talk, we don't realize the negative implications and thoughts that we put into our brain, especially if we are having that self-talk chatter that just goes on and on and on. And please remember that whether you put positive information or thoughts out there versus negative information and thoughts out there, the brain reacts to what it is you're putting out there. So our process is to rewrite how we talk to ourselves and what we say to others, both internally and externally, so that we have positive thoughts going through our minds at all times. So Joanne, I know with my clients, I'll often have them start looking at self-compassion because self-compassion is the empathy that we show to ourselves. And, you know, I'll use a, a scenario like, oh, you just had, you know, ice cream or you just had the whole pizza, something like that. And now what's going through your brain? And it's usually like for my clients, oh my God, I can't believe I had the whole thing. What's go- what's wrong with me? I failed this again. Um, what about with you? Oh, same, same kind of thing. Uh, I had a client recently and we were talking about what she had placed on her own action plan for accomplishing as far as her goals. And when we went through it, I was asking her certain questions to see how she had made out. And she kept saying, I didn't do it. Guilty is charged. I didn't do it. Guilty. Negative. I should have done this. I should have done that. And it was like, whoa, let's back up a little bit here because it's not about the guilt of what you did or you didn't do. It's how we frame those words in our minds so that we empower ourselves to have the change talk be one that is positive. And remember that words do define your existence. So Tammy, how often have you heard someone say something like, I should go to the gym or (laughs) I'm fat or I feel so disgusting. I can't believe that I ate the whole thing. Those statements are reinforcing themselves into the thought process and belief system that one might have. And believe it or not, what you've just done is dug your hole, another shove full deeper. (laughs) Try this. Try saying this instead. I could go to the gym. I could make better choices and see how that feels rolling off the tongue. Absolutely. If I was to sit here and think about things that I would want to say, I should really get to the gym this week. That brings up for me a lot of feelings of guilt, disappointment that I didn't do something that I had set a task for. And that can be very discouraging. I'm a failure. I always say I'm going to go to the gym, but I never get there. I really should get there, but I don't want to get there. And you have this internal dialogue that just keeps going on and on and on and on. Well, saying I should 
and we all say this, just closes the door to possibilities. So if it's, I should go to the gym, okay, that's it. The conversation is over unless you're repeating that to yourself. But if you say, well, I could go to the gym this week, or I could go to the gym today, then it opens possibilities to say, oh, maybe I can't do it right this second, but this evening, or I can go at lunchtime. It opens a lot of possibilities. I know that you've heard someone say, should I or shouldn't I? Mm -hmm. Right. We hear that Mm -hmm. all the time. And you know that the unspoken monologue is I really want to. But what are people going to say or think? Oh, yes. When you want that ice cream cone, it's like, (laughs) oh, should I or shouldn't I? What are they going to (laughs) think? Exactly. And especially you and I, both with this focus on health and wellness and this mindset, (laughs) how many times do we go out and everyone is hovering over and looking at the choices that we make? Uh And, And, you know, because you don't even us, we feel like, oh, what are people going to say? What are they going to think? And so what happens is that when you do that, that will often result in people doing things that they really wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but doing it in secret, Mm -hmm. hiding. And then of course, what happens? The guilt and the shame come along for that ride with you. Right. So you could have had it with no guilt and shame, but we chose instead to hide it and use the negative dialogue and bring shame along with it. And not only that, but think about this. What about just choosing to have it and enjoying it? Right. Because when you indulge in something that might not be on your regimen of how you eat or the things that you have in alignment with what your goals are, If you're making the decision to have the slice of pizza or you're making the decision to have the ice cream, enjoy it, like savor the flavor, the taste, how you're feeling about eating it and let that go and then just move on because it's already done. You can't recreate what you've already what you've already accomplished. Right. So so I think about right now you and I are away and we're working on, you know, more shows and things like that. And a time for us to just hang out together. And what did we do? We found an ice cream place that has <laughs> like the best ice cream. And we took a picture and, it, and I, I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's going to be blackmail. Ah, blackmail. <laughs> that's going to oh, be blackmail. It gets out and somebody else sees it or finds it. But then thinking about it, how you just said, we enjoyed it. It was the treat. It was delicious. We enjoyed it. There's no reason to feel guilty about having an ice cream cone while we've been away. Well, in the scheme of things in your life, if you are living a lifestyle of, I talk about the 80, 20 rule where Mm -hmm. 80% of the time I'm on point, I'm laser focused. I'm eating the way that I know is most beneficial for my body. I'm moving the best that I can. And then their day comes along where maybe for some of you, it might be during that menstruation time when your cravings are a little bit higher or the hormones are off just a little bit, or maybe you didn't get enough sleep last night. And believe it or not, there is a correlation between poor sleep and cravings for eating, which we could talk about on another time. Right. But when all of that happens, if you indulge in the thing, 
And I come back to this one thing someone said to me so many years ago, and it's just stuck. And it's not the piece of cake you eat. It's the rest of the cake. So if you can have that one piece, enjoy it, savor it, let it go, and then freely move back to just getting back to what you do, you're going to be golden with reaching the goals that you have set out for yourself. Right. And that person is right. It's not when you have one, it's when you have one box, when you have one box every day, when you have one box every, all the time, that that's what adds up. So what we say or what we don't say can really shape our lives and existence in ways that we don't always recognize in the moment. There are times that we say things and we don't understand the impact that it has on us. Right. Because our words are always creating. And this is not a new issue with people, right? This is an age old problem in our speaking and it ultimately affects our believing too. So do I believe that I can lose the weight that I want to lose? Do I believe that I'm going to be successful? That's kind of what we started out talking about in how you have your beliefs are in there. I mean, and this is such an age old problem that there are ancient proverbs in texts that talk about equating our mouth with fire, with a fountain, with evil, with good. And it's clear that how we speak affects how we feel, our success, our joy, our failure, our sadness, our love, our hate. Think of all the words we get caught up in on any given day. It's interesting. One of the things as we're talking about should or shouldn'ts, and I've been doing this exercise with several of my clients, is for them to take notice or pay attention to when they say the word. No different then when somebody speaks and uses filler words actually and basically when they're speaking drives me crazy, <laughs> by the way, just a real big pet peeve of mine. I try to be very focused not to say those things. It's challenging because we're used to saying that. So just think about that. What you say or you don't say can really shape your life and your existence in ways that we don't always recognize. And I keep going back to that because that's true. Mm-hmm. And we said a couple of minutes ago about when we do something in secret, it brings along with it the guilt and shame. Now, I have clients that when we start to talk, they come to me for weight loss. They want to get their A1C under control. And there are a lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts people put on themselves. But in doing that, one can feel deprived. You can feel angry that you have, you can't have something that you like, resentful that you have to waste an hour in the gym, not to mention all the time it takes to get there, change clothes, exercise, shower or not, and change clothes again, maybe to go home or out with friends. It's a huge effort that may feel much more of a burden than a blessing. And thinking about it, when you, Think to yourself, oh, I have to go to the gym. I made a commitment to go to the gym. I don't really want to go to the gym. And what if you were to reframe that and say, I get to go to the gym today and look at that with anticipation, whether or not you believe it or not, it's the thought that you're putting into your brain, which brings in the positive thoughts so that if you are thinking about getting to the gym, 
thinking about the benefits that it's going to have on your overall health and your game plan. And remembering that as human beings, we intentionally need to exercise. And we all know it's not just for the weight loss benefits. There are so many other benefits that are important as we're specifically even aging to keep our bodies healthy and strong. It's important. And look, I've had so many clients, not to change the subject, but I've had a lot of people who maybe have some injuries or they don't really like to work out or they don't know how to work out. And what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll walk. Now, walking is fantastic. I can't say how much benefit one can achieve from that. But just remember, as we age, the one thing that is so crucial that many people don't do is work on resistance for building muscle strength training. That's right. If you don't have muscle, you, you don't have anything that's holding you up. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, when you look at the elderly and you see them with walkers or they can't get up from a chair, let alone if they fall, they can't pick themselves up the floor off the floor. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that their muscles are so weak in their bodies that they cannot physically achieve that. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that. I mean, think about this. If anyone that you know has ever been in a hospital or has been lying in bed sick for a while, within two to three days, you start to have muscle atrophy from not utilizing right. what's in your body. So just imagine if you're that kind of couch potato, and I hate using that as a label, it's just as a reference here, everyone. But if you're someone who doesn't have any movement in your life, just think about what that's not doing to help to support your body for optimal functioning. Right. I think about when I was 26 or so, I broke my ankle and I was, and I had to have surgery to fix it. And I was in a cast for (laughs) like six weeks, but the difference in size of my calf muscle on that leg to this day, that leg is still smaller than the other one. Not by much, but there's a visual difference. And so it's important that once we have muscle, that we do everything we can to maintain it. And if you're thinking, oh, I don't have anything. I can't do that. I don't have money to go buy things or to join a gym. You don't have to. You just have to pick up and put down heavy things. Sometimes that's picking up yourself and putting yourself down on a chair without just falling into the chair. It's like intentionally standing up and sitting down or taking things out of the laundry room, you know, your big bottles of Tide and all and all that stuff and using those as things to lift and carry. So those are the things that you can do. And, you know, when you said changing it, changing your speech from I, I have to, to, I get to, Mm-hmm. It always, whenever you say that, it always takes me back to being a kid and being excited because, oh my God, we get to go to the zoo today. We get to go to the park. We get to go to the amusement. You know, we get to go to Cedar Point. We get to, we get to, it brings a sense of excitement with it. That's a great point. So as we keep going here, another thing I want to share is shoulds always travel in pairs. So they never travel alone. They always bring a feeling with them as the, the uh, tag along that you're not always so glad is tagging along. 
So let's do a little exercise here, Tammy, uh, to make this clear to our listeners. So I'll say a couple of the should and shouldn'ts, and I'd love to hear what your unspoken response is. And then we can just talk about what that feeling is related to it. Sure. Okay. So I should go to the gym tonight. I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I don't really want to go. So what's the feeling? The feeling there is frustration and obligation. Right. And, and even anger that I'm taking time away from other things because I have to go to the gym. I don't have time. I don't, mm -hmm. you can keep making excuses. We could go on and on and on with that one. (laughs) What about, um, I shouldn't have dessert. Oh, it's been a rough day and I deserve it though. You deserve it. Okay. That's interesting how we think about that. We deserve dessert. And let's think about that and what the feeling is. And to me, that feeling would be that I'm being deprived or I'm being disappointed or left out. A lot of negative stuff. In other words, it's a way to self-medicate. <laughs> right, exactly. And having, having that, you know, knowing that shoulds come with feelings, they, it's sort of like in the shoulds backpack, <laughs> the mm. should arrives and, and the feeling arrives with it. Right. So what about I should lose weight? Oh, I've tried. Nothing works. It's all I'm a failure at it all. And you know what? There's a lot that's associated with the feeling about that. It's not only failure or being discouraged, but many people, it's what they call the D's. In other words, you don't know what to do. You don't Mm -hmm. know how to do it. You're not really sure which way to go. And of course, you feel defeated because you've tried so many things and you have not had the success that you were hoping to have. And then what happens is the last part of that is that you're demoralized. Right. Because you're just uh, nothing I've do work, nothing changes. And then, of course, we get into the excuse blame game, whether it's like, oh, it's my age, it's my hormones, it's my metabolism. I've been really, really great. And unfortunately, in working with many women, as you do as well, that we have this somehow this misconception in our brains. And thank you for the media a lot for reinforcing this is that whole thought process that the less I eat, the thinner I will be. Right. And what many people don't realize is that we need fuel. We need our bodies to be fed so that we can function optimally. And a lot of times their people are overweight, not because they're eating too much, but it's because they're not eating enough and their bodies go into fat storage mode. And it's this vicious, it's this vicious cycle. Right. Because you think about it and you lose all of your muscle tone. When you keep eating less and less and less, you lose all of your muscle, which then lowers your metabolism, which then means it's much easier to gain weight and much harder to take it off in the future. So you stay in that cycle. There's also a concept in social work of learned helplessness. So you say, oh, I've tried a thousand times and I failed a thousand and one times and I don't even have the energy because I can't do it and I can't stand up to do it, do this. And so you've learned to be helpless because up until now, you haven't understood things or you haven't had the right ability or belief in yourself to see that you're not helpless, that you can make choices, that you can change how things around you are. 
So one of the things that we work with with our clients in coaching is helping someone to build their own self-efficacy so that you can make the decisions about empowering yourself, motivating yourself to make the changes that you want to in order to truly improve your health state. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to the shouldn't, shouldn'ts. How about this one? I should go to bed earlier. But I'm a grown-up now, darn it. I have shows I like on TV. I, I'm not six anymore and have to go to bed at eight o'clock. So that shows a lot of resistance and um, fear of missing out. Uh-huh. And so, because everybody else is going to get to stay up and watch the movie or finish the TV show or whatever. But come on, folks, we've all got DVRs now. I mean, we can DVR anything. We can play it on demand. And we can watch it instead of when we're just sitting there mindlessly watching whatever comes on just because it's on. Well, another topic we can really talk about is surrendering. And surrendering is a really big thing. So I can tell you that giving up, staying up till one or two in the morning watching TV shows really wasn't an issue. I surrendered into that antagonistic feeling about, I really want to do this. That four-year-old you always talk about, I really want to do this. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me that I have to shut the TV off. And when it came from me to say, I'm realizing that sleep is important for me and Mm -hmm. I'm probably not utilizing my time in the best way. And I have trouble falling asleep and I'm tired in the morning and I'm cranky and my eating is off and I'm too tired. I don't want to go to the gym and yada, 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 (laughs) you know, go on and on, on with it. And now I'm empowered to make some choices. And I surrendered into the option of possibility, which has been a huge, huge shift in everything that I would like to accomplish. Well, because it takes away feeling angry that you can't do what you want to do. Again, the four-year-old. And we talk about with clients, you know, making better choices, changing how you do things, looking at things differently, making, you know, just picking different things. And we'll talk about, you know, shifting the way that you go around the grocery store. Right. Right. So we all have to go to the grocery store. We all have to buy certain things, but we don't have to buy other things. And we only buy them because we see them. And that's what grocery stores depend a lot on are those impulse buys. And so one thing that I work with my clients to do, and I'll give it to you all, is when you pick up your cart in the fruit and vegetable section, which is usually where you come into the store, then stay on the outside aisle. And if you need something down one of the aisles, leave the cart at the end. And only go halfway. So you kind of, you already know, oh, gee, the ketchup is on that end of the aisle, but now I've got to walk through all of these other things to get to the ketchup. Nope. When you get back to the other side of that aisle, now you can pick it up. So, and that's only if you can remember. (laughs) Right. But you, you know, you usually have those things. You can look down. And so, not going more than halfway into the aisle. That's a great tip. So, you're not tempted and it keeps you, 
it allows you to have a much more focused path. And so instead of the grocery store taking you an hour or hour and a half to do, maybe it takes you 45 minutes mm-hmm. because you're not getting lost. Oh, and instead of the bill being $200, it's really only 150, which is what it should have been. Exactly. So let's just go through this real fast and we'll pick this up in the second half today. So I just want you, and you can do this along with me if you're listening. I want you to say out loud this sentence, I should go to the gym tonight. And now I want you to say to yourself, I could go to the gym tonight. Or I could go for a 30 minute walk this evening, or I could get my bike out and take a ride. So the difference of what we spoke about before is feeling frustrated and obligated. All of a sudden I'm feeling hopeful and capable. Right. And what about, I shouldn't have dessert to, I could have dessert or I could have a piece of fruit instead, or I could trade tonight's dessert for a spectacular gourmet thing on Saturday when I go out with, with some friends. I love that. So instead of feeling deprived and disappointed, now what's happening is that you're feeling empowered and in control without feeling deprived. Love Mm -hmm. that. How about I should lose weight, which is that going back to that feeling of being, you know, in discouraged and failing. And now if you say, well, I could lose weight or I could choose to stay this weight and size, but the consequences might be getting a disease like diabetes, for example. Mm -hmm. And the difference there is it allows you to be in control because you would be choosing to lose weight because that's what you wanted to do, not because someone on the outside is telling you, oh, you should, you should, you should. And I love the twist on this one where we talked earlier about I should go to bed earlier. And now it's like, well, I could go to bed earlier. And then the other side of that is like, or I could stay up later and watch a TV show and be tired tomorrow. Now that brings a negative back into what you were saying. So we want to turn that into the positive. It's more about, I could go to bed earlier and coming up with ways that you could get to bed earlier because you know what the benefit will be. Right. So this way, you know, just be careful with how you word things, even when you're trying to be positive because they could still come out in the negative. So instead of the resistance of this, now you're feeling more rested and in control and proud of the decision that you have decided to embark on self-care and you made that decision for yourself. Right. And so in sort of recapping all of this, before we go on to the second half of, of the show is really becoming conscious of what our words are and how do we speak to ourselves in the everyday, not when we're in the middle of a crisis or after we've done something that we have this idea that we're bad people. I always tell my clients, food has no moral value. There is no good food. There is no bad food. There is just food. And food has energy. And there is some foods with a lot of energy and very little nutritional balance. And there are other foods with a lot of calories and not a lot of energy that goes into it. And it's kind of learning 
that just because you chose to have a food that's higher in energy value and lower in quality does not make you a bad person. I love these tips, Tammy. This is great. We're going to continue with this with some other frames of reference of things that you might say to yourself. And we're going to come back with that in the second half of our episode today. So please stay tuned. Again, this is Joanne and Tammy from Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it. You can reach us on our website at coachmywellness.com. Or our Instagram. Instagram at coachmywellness underscore CMW. And of course, We are on the air every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Coast Time on 360 Talk Radio for Women. Be right back. See you soon. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome back. This is Tammy and Joanne from Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it. Before we left on break, we were talking about changing your shoulds to coulds and moving from a place of feeling deprived and obligated to a place of capable and hopeful and being in control. And possibilities. And possibilities. That's right. I love possibilities. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the difference between I am versus I have. Because so many times we inadvertently label ourselves. I am something, right? So what does it mean to label yourself? When you're thinking about the way that you label yourself, most of the time it can be in the negative. And I'm a failure. I feel so stupid. I am so stupid. I am really out of control. There are so many things that we could say to ourselves, especially as we're going through our weight loss journeys or other areas in your life. And when you deny people and yourself the privilege to change and move in a different direction, what you're doing is denying a sense of what makes us human. And labels can take on an all or nothing meaning, suggesting that someone is either something or they're not. And it's our brain that makes all of these irrational shortcuts. So labeling can truly affect a person because when you make a mistake, for example, say you're at work and you make a mistake on a report that you have to hand in. A lot of times you might just say, instead of I made a mistake, you might label yourself as someone who is dumb or not smart or an idiot, not capable, stupid. Labels may seem innocuous, but they can be harmful. And labeling ourselves can negatively affect our self-esteem and holding us back from moving forward. Not only how we talk about ourselves and labeling us, but when we label other people, that can also cause the persistence of negative stereotypes. Just another food for thought. Right. I think about when 
you know, you label someone else and what it does is it stops you from interacting with them. It stops you from getting to know who they really are because you've already made a decision based on what you're seeing. And so you're giving them a label on based on your limited experience of them. And so when we do that to ourselves, because saying I am is such a personal thing, it goes to the who you are, like your being, as opposed to saying I have, which is sort of like a cloak that is placed on my being. Well, the I am versus the I have also can shape the beliefs, beliefs that we have in how we live our lives. So when you say I am, what you're doing is placing yourself in a box because I am is that, again, that deeply personal place and it can't be separated from you. And it also affects your sense of value in yourself and the permanency of the state of being, which you just stated. Right. So I am a loser. I am dumb. I hear this one all the time. I am a failure when it comes to losing weight. I have all these other successes, but I am a failure when it comes to losing weight. And so all you're doing is reinforcing that idea that you can't do this, or it's too hard for you, or it's outside of your realm of control. And maybe you struggle with doing something, losing weight without a medical intervention, but even so, it is something that you can do. Well, one of the biggest things that to me seems to be the difference between I am versus I have is that the I have means that the situation or the state of being is not one that's permanent, more so that it's temporary and it can be changed at any time. Right. Because like I can say I am a redhead. That's not. Yes, you can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's about who I am as a person. I can also say I am someone who adores dogs. That's about who I am as a person. But I am not a cold. I may have a cold. I have brown hair sometimes during the winter. I have, you know, these are things that are temporary, that are changeable about ourselves. So one of the things that you can do, and this would be a really great little experiment for those that are on this call with us today, but a simple formula for answering the question could be, tell me about yourself. Now, you can practice that with someone else, but I think that the crux of what we're discussing here is telling yourself what you want to tell yourself about who you are. Mm -hmm. So we work a lot in trying to identify someone's strengths so that we could pull upon those strengths in order to create the internal change. change that someone would want to take. So if you talk in the present about who you are and what your strengths are, I would believe if you take it from that site, that the words are going to be a little bit more positive than the negative things. It's no longer, you don't say to yourself, well, if I'm going to tell someone about myself, I'm going to tell them I'm stupid. I'm going to tell them I'm a bad person. 
I'm going to tell them that I never finish anything that I start. I'm going to, and I'm to go on and on about the things that I say to myself. But mm-hmm. if you're presenting that to somebody else, and those are your internal feelings, that will be expressed and people will pick that up. Right. But if you were to say something such as, I'm a strong person, I'm a compassionate person, I am somebody who lives life to the fullest, I care about other people, I want to make a difference in this world, I am a productive human being, I am energetic, I am athletic, I am fun. Right. There's a whole different feeling that you have, but it's saying that to somebody else. How about saying that to yourself? Right. And that's where really practicing and learning self-compassion comes in because we would never say to other people some of the things that we say to ourselves unless you really hated that person. And so it's interesting that you'll only say to yourself the things that you say out of anger and hatred towards other people. So what does that say how you feel about you? It's, it's a real easy way to pick up what's going on inside about your own sense of being. So one might ask, well, then how do you talk to yourself in a good manner when you know that you usually come up with the negative? So there are a couple of things that you can do is identifying the negative self-talk traps. There are certain scenarios that you may find yourself in that increase your self-doubt and lead to more negative self-talk. And when those things happen, to try and reassess how you're feeling about it and finding the positive in it And always say, I'm moving closer to my goals or further away from my goals. And you can change the scenario and the dialogue that you have with yourself. Right. It's always that progress versus perfection that you talk about. Absolutely. You know, it's learning to first, you have to learn to recognize when you're doing these things, when you're saying these things, and then capturing that thought and actively replacing it. You know, my client, Andrea, and I I acknowledge Andrea because. She comes up with such beautiful sayings. And I'll never forget, we were in um, a session one night and she said, I had a really bad day, but it's not a bad life. I remember that. I love that. And I have carried that with me. So it's one of those things about checking in with your feelings and to stop yourself from labeling yourself, especially if you're having a challenging day or a bad day. And just think about that and evaluate the self-talk when those things happen. I always say that sometimes your days can be the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. Right. And how do we approach those two ends of the spectrum with something that's neutral, but always with the mindset of going toward the more powerful, positive mindset thoughts, which will carry you forward in a more productive manner. Right. So learning to be flexible. And learning to balance on that balance beam of just not getting too overwhelmed in the negative and not getting overly swallowed up in the the positive and learning how to manage that is a trait that we really struggle with, I think, as humans, because so many people automatically revert to good, bad, right, wrong, black and white thinking, everything is very determinative. And yet we live in a world that's full of gray because the same choice 
that I may have, that you may have, may be wrong for me because of other circumstances, but could be perfectly right for you. And if we don't take that into account, then we look at that other person and label them. Oh, look what they did. They shouldn't be doing that. That's they, I can't do that. They shouldn't be doing that. And it's not about you. It's a, it's about, you know, looking at the whole thing. And also finding humor in things. So mm -hmm. how do you find humor in a situation that seems challenging, Tammy? <laughs> Usually I get overwhelmed first and then all of these thoughts start happening about, oh, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. There's so much to do. And then I have to stop myself and say, no, there is a lot. We can do this. And then getting myself to just laugh. So sometimes I'll go find my dog and play with her and laugh because she always makes me laugh. Other times, if it's a really one of those days where everything is going wrong, no matter what, I'll stand back and just sort of observe, take that a third person observer and be like, no one would believe this if we were writing it in a, in a sitcom, like all the things that have gone wrong today, no one would believe. And all I can do is laugh because I can't change them. When those, when I have those days, all I say is you just can't make this stuff up. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and also one of the things that I find incredibly helpful is surrounding myself with positive people. Mm -hmm. And learning to find a way and being okay with eliminating the toxic people that are in my life with the people that are negative and down all the time. I find that it is very challenging to surround myself with people who are so negative when I live my life always looking at the bright side of things. Right. I really tried to do that. You're very much a glass is half full person versus the glass is half empty. But what do you do when those people that are so negative are your family? Oh, you know, could be <laughs> we your all mom, have those. Could you be your mom, your dad, your siblings, your, you know, your children who are always focusing on the negative? Well, I've learned that you can't change people mm -hmm. and that all you can do is working on changing yourself. Mm -hmm. So it could either be changing the situation, changing the amount of time that I speak with somebody, changing the dialogue and continuing to be positive throughout it. Let somebody express the negative things that they want, but learning how to cut the conversation short mm -hmm. in a productive way, having a conscious game plan in knowing that I need to set up my boundaries. Boundaries are huge in making that change. Yeah. And I think, you know, boundaries are huge in, in a lot of things. Boundaries are huge in weight loss. Boundaries are huge in mental health, knowing when it's okay for someone to make a comment to you or ask, make a statement versus knowing when it's not. So we had talked a while ago on one of the shows and I had made a comment about I have a friend who will make sarcastic snide comments mm. that, you know, just come across 
as a, a poke, a jab at me. And you immediately said, well, and I, cause, because I said, they don't even realize it. And you said, oh yes, they do. And so it's, it's taken, you know, thinking about that a while to put some distance between that person and me so that when I don't have to hear all of those things, which does nothing but undermine. But there's another part to that. Another part to that is if you have someone in your life who is that person you're just referring to, who's very negative and gives you jabs all the time, and now you realize that they give me jabs and this is how I feel when they do that, when you're on the phone with them or having a conversation with them, expect the jabs because you won't be able to change them. Mm -hmm. It's how you change the response to the jabs and knowing that this is their issue and right. it's not about you. And that's the part that takes time to practice and to get ingrained in your brain to be able to have the tools in order to separate yourself in that way. Right. And, you know, that's great advice to, to just expect that those are going to come, come across. And then, then that sets me up in a position where I have the choice. Do I address that? Do I make a comment and say, please don't speak to me that way? Or do I just let it go knowing that this person is in my life and no, you know, they're, they're there. And well, so I have a family member and he, during the pandemic became isolated. He was struggling. He lives alone. He had COVID himself. He has a lot of challenges and you could see through the time of isolation, the level of depression and anxiety that he faced. And whenever we would have a phone call, because I would try and reach out, it became almost intolerable because the entire conversation was about everything that was wrong in his life. Mm -hmm. Nothing was good in his life. And after a while, I realized that there was never a time, not once, when I ever heard from him. So how are you? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. There was no consideration. So in thinking about that, I had to make a decision about how much I wanted to put myself in a position of listening to someone else's negativity all the time, because I knew that it was bringing things up for me. And that's not what I really wanted. So my conversations, as much as I empathize with where he is at, and it doesn't mean I'm not compassionate. It doesn't mean that I'm not caring. It just means that I have limited my accessibility to him mm -hmm. so that I am not put in that position for him to just vent because it just didn't feel well. It wasn't a balanced relationship. Right. And, you know, as a therapist, I often recognize those things in, in other people. And so many times I want to say something, but I'm not your therapist. Right. So I could say that person, that would have been a great time to say, oh, so it's just a few bad days. It's not a bad life. And they would argue and they would say, oh, my life is, is bad. But you could also come up with a few ideas to say, oh, this is bad. That's bad. And intentionally picking the things that are good in their life 
so that they can see, oh yeah, I've been having a string of bad days and it really sucks. But if I don't change how I think about this, that string of bad days is going to get longer as opposed to getting shorter. Another thing in thinking about how you talk to yourself is staying in the present moment, making sure that this is where the practice of mindfulness comes in and learning how to stay in the right now, not in the yesterday, not in the last year. So when you determine to stay in the present moment, it takes away the, oh, I already messed up today. So I'm just going to have another one, right? Because that I already messed up today is not the present moment. I'm, I'm now choosing between, do I have this thing that is not so healthy for me? Or do I have the other thing that is, that's the present moment, not four hours ago when I made a not so great choice, right? That's the past. And we'll often talk about stop living in the past, stop living in the past, stop living in the past. And the past is what gives us that monologue that runs. And so when you live in the present, you're taking away some of that power. It's also so much of having unresolved issues from your past that you might not even realize that keep repeating themselves in different ways. And of course, you being a therapist, that would be in your wheelhouse to work through with someone where it's not my tool set, Mm -hmm. it's out of my scope of practice. It's just something that I can express from my own personal life and my own growth and learning that. And one of the other things that I have done that has been real helpful, and I've passed this information along to a lot of my clients, is the power of positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And not only do I have something every day, but I love technology because there are so many beautiful apps that you can have on your phone that will just give you little bursts of, you know, affirmations throughout the day, which just helps to reinforce positivity. Mm-hmm. Even I love this. I have an iWatch and my iWatch will tell me to breathe. It'll tell oh. me to stand. <laughs> it will give me all of these positive things. Sometimes like, oh, I don't want to do that right now. And oh, it's bothering me again. But I know that when I breathe and I have focused breathing, it grounds me. It helps to clear my head and I function better for everything else that I do. So it's pay atten- paying attention to the important tools that you can use to reinforce the mindset that you are working to achieve Mm -hmm. so that you can be a positive, productive, happier person. Right. And knowing that feelings and emotions are temporary, just like the I have is temporary. So you could say, no one says I am cancer or I am diabetes, but they'll quickly say, I am stupid. I am fat. I am ugly. I am whatever those adjectives are. And when you switch and stop yourself from saying I am in a negative way, and when you're speaking of the negative saying I have, so I have diabetes, I have cancer, I have time management issues. I am not time management. 
I have time management issues. One of my pet peeves about a word is the word lazy. Mm. And it could be that one of my kids was so lazy that they just never cleaned up their room and they live Mm -hmm. like in a pigsty. Mm -hmm. Seriously. And when I would talk to someone and if I was to say my kids are just so lazy, that is so negative and labeling in such a derogatory manner. And you're already defeating them, even if they try and they don't measure up to what you think they should be. They're already defeated. So what should? Here we go back to should Should. and what they could be. Right. Uh, You know, there's there's that difference again as we are working on this because we both say the same thing. I mean, we're human too. And there are times that we go back to shoulds and we are both working very hard to change that dialogue amongst ourselves to talk about the possibilities. So in the laziness, instead of saying something like, I am so lazy that I just can't get to the gym today. How about I have, I could go to the gym today. I have so much energy. Mm-hmm. There's a difference there. It, even if you said, I could go to the gym today, I have, I am tired, or I have, you know, I didn't sleep well last night. Going then, taking that and recognizing where the problem is. Or even having positive, if you do say I ams instead of I haves. Mm-hmm. What about the positive ways to say that I am? I am successful or I am confident. I am powerful. I am strong. But you see, those are all permanent things that go with the I am. And so when we're saying I am, we want to make sure that the I ams are the positive I ams, right? Because those things that you're talking about go toward our character and who we, we are as a person. Of course. So it's how you speak to yourself and what you say to yourself and why self-talk is truly so important. And research will show that positive self-talk can do a lot of things. It can improve your self-esteem, can help with stress management and your overall well-being, Mm -hmm. uh, which will help to reduce symptoms of depression, anxiety, or some personality disorders that you have, or even work toward improving your body image And how you feel about yourself. Right. So you think about when people stand in front of the mirror, how many people don't have full length mirrors in their home (laughs) and only have from like the neck up because all they can see in the mirror is the negative. They don't see the positive. So, so all they see is, oh, I'm such a fat, fat. So I have this fat body. I'm a loser. I'm this. I don't fit into the clothes that I like anymore. And when you can change that and begin to see the whole person. So yes, you may be carrying extra pounds around, but that body that you're in is allowing you to be with your spouse, be with your kids, do a work or job that you enjoy, contribute to society, maybe you're in a congregation and without that body, then you can't do any of those things. You can't be any of those things. Maybe you're a mentor to, to someone. And when we look at only the negative, so we won't look at in the mirror, anything below our neck, because 
it's, it's too fat. It's too big. It's too whatever. We're really robbing ourselves of the appreciation to be happy, to be glad with what we have while we're working to improve it. Look, there are a lot of people out there who find a challenge with talking about themselves positively. They're mm-hmm. really very uncomfortable in feeling that somehow they're self-promoting themselves mm-hmm. or you feel like you're boasting. And right. maybe that doesn't come naturally to you. So how about the suggestion of how people in your life feel about you or what they say about you? So my friends would tell you that I'm a passionate person, that I'm a responsible person, Mm -hmm. that I'm a loving person, that I'm a giving person. I know those things because I know the relationships and what someone would say about me. Mm -hmm. And I might not feel that about myself because I'm such self-doubt. And all of those are are actually true. So usually when we're we're being so negative about ourselves, it's all things that are not true right? It's because we're the one that's wielding the weapon. Right. So it's important, I think, to, if you're having a struggle with talking to yourself about that, to use the words of others. And maybe that way it won't seem like you're talking about yourself at all. <laughs> right. And, uh, and staying in the present moment. Staying in the present moment. You know, always. Both- positive mindset as we move, as we move forward and we continue this journey of self-care in health and wellness. This has been a great conversation today. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have everyone listening to us. Please join us every Sunday on 360 Talk Radio for Women, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Coast Time, so that we can keep sharing great tips and information with you. You can also reach out to us on our Instagram at coachmywellness underscore CMW. And if there are any topics that you have that you would be interested in having us chat with you about, post them for us and have a dialogue. Let's chat about it. Exactly. We look forward to our ongoing conversations with you and looking forward to seeing you next week. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to Coach My Wellness. For more information about healthy habits and behaviors, visit our website at coachmywellness.com and follow us on Instagram at coachmywellness underscore CMW for weekly live streams Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there.